Hey everyone, and welcome back to Your Money, Your Life podcast, episode 182 of the podcast. Before we get into it, wherever you're listening, make sure you like, subscribe, five-star, give a rating and a review of the podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the notification bell so you know every time I drop a new episode. Last week, we started with a story uh, before we got any, even into the podcast. There's no story this week. Fortunately enough, there is no crazy story this week. So we can dive right in to what is going on in the markets, um, first and foremost. That's where we're going to go. First and foremost, we're going to go to the markets. It's, again, an interesting 2023, an interesting and good 2023. Remember, we try to tell people that if we look at a chart here, that when markets pull back from highs, you take opportunities. Um, and some people did, some people did. I'll give some people credit. Some folks did, but a lot of folks didn't. They wanted to stop saving here. They wanted to say the market was going to go to zero, which it never has, never will, unless the world is over. Um, they wanted to say a bunch of stuff, but they didn't want to do the right things. But some people, I will give them credit, they understood opportunities. But now you're seeing a lot of people say, oh, buy this, buy that. Microsoft, Tesla, because of course, in a bull market, everyone gets really confident that things will just always go up. That's not the case. Now you don't want to start giving hearing advice from other people and giving directions on what to buy just because it's a bull market again. Not the time to be trying to go everything in, all in, oh, buy this, I heard this happen, or oh, buy this. No, folks. Just do what you were doing prior. Don't get too euphoric. That's not the objective here. Not the objective at all. So if you look at the market, though, and what happened over the last... Uh, call it weak. Um, pretty pretty big thing here is the only big one of the big things we want to touch on is just the fact that um, the Fed again came in with more information on rates. Right, so we'll go into what the Fed did with rates, which is they raised rates again by twenty five basis points, a zero point two five point increase. If you look at this chart, this is a roughly four or five decade chart um, of the federal funds rate. Remember, the 70s, we had incredible inflation, incredible inflation, um, late 70s. And that's why the rates, you think 5 6% is crazy. It was like 18% back then. Um, and then you had, of course, the recession. The 80s were crazy good times um, um, of, of fun. Wealth, everyone getting rich, um, of course, um, and still kind of continued a little bit in the 90s, but you had a, a brief recession in the early 90s. Um, and then, of course, good times again, tech boom, late 90s, early 2000s, which that bubble burst. Um, and then, of course, you had rates. When bubble bursts, rates drop. Bubble bursts, rates drop. If rates are dropping, it means things aren't great, right? Um, and then, of course, after the tech bubble burst, things were okay. Rates were increasing, things good, going all right. Then we had the housing credit crisis, boom, rates drop, recession. And then we had a long period of good times, man, almost over a decade of good times, which is not normal, right? The average is give it seven, eight years, um, sometimes at nine. But to get the 10 great times before the pandemic burst and the recess, brief recession, um, and now we have rates rising again, and people again are considering do we have a recession coming up? But you know, if we look at what the Fed said yesterday, um, they said they're going to increase interest rates 
to the highest level in 22 years. And they left the door open for further action, but they took out, um, they kind of got a little bit softer, um, a little bit dovish saying that um, they may or may not have to raise rates again, but um, it's a possibility. Um, and their market is, you know, pretty much predicting a potential pause, um, you know, in rates in the, in the September meeting. Um, so, so that's the big thing that we saw. Um, and we're going to get more data on inflation, more data on core and, um, more data on headline inflation in the next month or so. Um, and so, yeah, Paul had some comments about inflation repeatedly, uh, proved stronger than we and other forecasters have expected. And at some point that may change, but they have to be ready to follow the data and be a little bit more patient as well as resolute, as well as let this unfold. Um, so pretty much saying just wait and see. Um, and they have the ability to wait and see and pause and do what is necessary to combat inflation. So that's going to be to be seen. But if you see here, again, on the year-to-date chart, the S&P 500, really, really strong, um, 18% up. Um, again, you're seeing euphoria coming back. People want to trade. You're probably going to see, again, the, the lessons learned in 2022 will be for quickly forgotten when euphoric um, emotions jump into the fray. People start trying to day trade again, saying they're going to quit their job and just invest. Um, and then that will, you know, that's going to happen again. Mark my words, people are very, people are always looking for the really short, quick pill, which there is none, right? There is no quick way to do things. You got to do things the hard way. You got to put in the work. You got to put into the work. Speaking of more market stuff, Meta's earnings came out and it was better than expected. Um, they're up 10% in pre-market trading, but Double-digit revenue growth for the first time since 2021. Again, ad revenue coming back, people spending on ads again. Um, it's, it has strong quarter. Um, that's just pretty much how to put it. Monthly active users, 3.03 billion versus 3 billion. Um, average revenue per user up, daily active up. Um, so yeah, that is strong quarter. And uh, a company that's pr- kind of came back after you know 2022 getting crushed. Um, it's had a strong, strong resurgence. And you saw Threads, which is the new Twitter-like application. I saw a story about what happened when people, 15 celebrities, joined Threads um, and and what what they're doing. So it says that Ellen DeGeneres hasn't, has joined Twitter in 2008 and has not tweeted since April. When Threads rolled out, she was among the first 3,000 people to download the, the app. Um which is kind of interesting. And so other people seem to like it. The celebrities um, and different folks um, seem to like threads. And there's a breakdown of people's posts on Twitter versus threads. It looks like you're seeing threads kind of, you know, pop up as a place for people to post and potentially overtaking Twitter, especially among certain celebrities. Um Interesting. Interesting enough to see the trends. That's going to be huge uh, as far as, you know, where if they're on there, you know, pretty heavily, that's going to shift their audience, their viewers, their influencer, they're out there, obviously influencers. Um, And so that's going to have a a big effect with that. I had a, I think I had a story um, on the Twitter change. Twitter is now X. It's now X app, the everything app. This is something that, um, Elon Musk had hinted towards a while for a while now, and then he's made the change. The logo for Twitter, Twitter's handle is now just X. 
Um, and they're rebranding and it's a complete new look. The company's official handle is at X and has replaced the old Twitter handle, which is now inactive. Um, as part of the changes, Twitter's blue subscription service is now at X blue and support and API related handles have also been tweaked. Yeah. People have been, um, on the fence about this change. It came abruptly. Um, it's, it was, I don't know if it was handled the best in the sense of like a reasoning for the change. He has hinted at it, but I mean, you built up what Twitter has 15 years, 10, 15 years of a brand recognition of intangible brand value. Um, and he just changed it. Now everybody's on board. I mean, even his, you know, legit supporters are not on board. Some of them, um, Oh, interesting. I'm reading that the original owner of X wasn't forewarned or compensated, but received a letter that offered merchandise and a tour of X's headquarters as a reflection of appreciation. So with these Twitter handles, if you go on a new site and you grab the handle of some of that celebrity or whatever, a lot of times in the old days, you had to the celebrity would have to compensate the person that grabbed the handle first. But of course, if you own said X or formerly Twitter company, you can just grab the handle and tell them, hey, come to our headquarters. We'll give you a tour. Here's some merchandise of X. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really hard to keep up with what's going on um, with X. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hey, Meta made a change to the overall holding company, um, which is obviously Meta versus just being Facebook company. Um, so interesting to see those changes. We'll see how it pans out. I- I'm on the fence on that one. I don't know. If it makes the most sense, but we're going to see. We're going to see. Um, let's keep going in more news. I thought this was an interesting story. GDP growth likely slow. Remember, we talk about GDP a lot, which is a big barometer of just productivity in the economy domestically. Um, gross domestic product is expected to have grown at a slower pace in the second quarter. So the forecasters, economists, see the economy expanding at an annualized pace of 1.8% between April and June after 2% increase in the first quarter. So there's continuing slides, signs of economic strength, robust hiring and receding inflation, but still very, very persistent and troublesome. But many economists have dialed back calls for sustained economic attraction for this year. Remember in the beginning of this year, it was like recession, recession, recession. Even I was, you know, on the fence of that there more likely will be. Now it's looking like we're pushing it back to the end of this year early next as for the earliest times of recession. Um, and that means growth slows. You'll see a lot of more main street layoffs, meaning your manufacturing, your, any of those sort of main street jobs outside of tech and wall street who are already tech already did theirs and wall streets in the midst. You'll see a lot more main street cuts. Um, and that's going to really, really be, you know, a, a big driver of some of things. Um, so yeah, people are not forecasting a recession in 2023 anymore, it looks like. Um, so we'll see when that pops off again. I think it's going to be end of this year, early next, um, last quarter this year, early of 2024. That would be the best best guess as of right now. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And then again, we talked about Meta already. Uh, we talked about X. Yeah, there was really a slow, slow news day, a slower news day. Um, one thing that was interesting is USPS has created a deal um, with Teamsters. So the union uh, went against UPS. There was about to be a potential strike, um, but 
they ended up reaching a deal. And I guess in the grapevines, the union and, and people within the union are saying they pretty much got everything they wanted from UPS. Um, covers 340K UPS workers. It would have been one of the largest and costiest strikes in US history. Um, the deal features a 48% raise for part-time workers and a $7.50 an hour hike for all union employees over five years, 7. 7,500 new full-time Teamsters. Um, and finally, AC and delivery vans. Wait, they didn't have AC? Is that why the doors are always open? That's weird. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> that is, I'm glad they got the AC and the delivery vans. That was much, much needed. Um, yeah, that's crazy. No AC. How do you, how do you, why are the doors always open? That That is something I really, really want to know. Um, I really, really want to know. We had some other big um, companies that revealed earnings. Microsoft had um, decent, strong liquidity profit. Um, it was down, you know, yesterday. Google um, had a strong quarter up on YouTube ads, um, up on cloud growth. And the market really, really liked what they saw and they beat expectations um, and they had, um, actually really, really strong trading day yesterday. Um, search revenue was growing um, as, you know, Googlers still outweigh chat GPTers. That's what I said. I said that Google would win this AI fight and I'm being proven right so far. Um, they just have more data, better, stronger, you know, infrastructure to do a great job. All right, folks, I did see that's a big movie weekend this past weekend with Barbie Oppenheimer both coming out. We did see Oppenheimer. Me and the fiance did see it. I loved it. It's another classic Christopher Nolan. I would say it's not as great as like a Batman or any of those, but it's not bad. It's not Tenet, which is not great at all. It's it's above average and it's a really good movie. I really liked it. It keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole time. You have to follow along though. Of course, with these movies, you have to follow along. They move at a quick pace and it's a good three hours. I didn't feel like I was sitting there for three hours, even though I was. You don't feel like it because it's such a good movie. So that's the one I saw. But the girlies, they're out there seeing Barbie. And this is great. There's people have done a deep dive into the marketing campaign of Barbie because it's been phenomenal. You can't go out without seeing people wearing pink. People taking pictures in front of the Barbie plastic box. They did a great job. They put $100 million into the marketing, and it's paid off because... Um, it looks like Barbie brought in 162 million domestically and more over over worldwide, um, and that's just this weekend. You've seen such a crazy, crazy um, marketing campaign that's worked really, really well. Hats off to them; they've done a great job. Um, snack fact of the day: Amer Americans' personal savings have plunged 5.5 trillion since April of 2020. Excuse me, that's not a fun stat for a lot of people out there. All right. I think people are liking these case studies. I couldn't find anyone interesting to do. So I did Robert Kraft. He owns, um, obviously, the New England Patriots. Purchased them for $172 million in 1994. Today, the franchise is valued around $6 billion and they have six Super Bowl championships. Um, but let's see what happened and how do you actually get to the place he at, he's at as a billionaire worth about $9, $10 billion. Um, because I thought this was interesting. I was actually curious myself. Because when you think about Robert Kraft, you think Kraft, Heinz Group. It's not that. He's not affiliated with that. It's his last name. Um, but he has no affiliation with that. So how did he get his money? Well, first of all, he finished his MBA from Harvard Business School. Great school. Top three school. Um, 
1965, then he started working for his father-in-law's paper and packaging business, the Rand Whitney Group. He then used a leverage bot, which was popular in the 70s, 80s, um, which has taken on a lot of debt um, to buy companies, pretty much. It's not as much practice now. But he used that um, leverage bio to gain control of the business in 1968. He then established International Forest Products in 1972. That was a company that trades products made from trees, such as paper and container boards. Sounds boring as hell. It probably is, but he was printing money. <laughs> he grew the business um, and it became one of the top ranked North American exporters. And then, of course, he wanted to create a holding company. He wants to create a holding company to get into sports and entertainment paper and packaging. So pretty much just buying other businesses that he felt he could run better, which he proved that through expanding and growing the business that he purchased. So he bought the Boston Lob- Lobsters of the WTT League. Um, I don't even know what the WTT League is, but he and several partners purchased the team. Oh, it's a tennis team, but it disbanded in 1978. Seven years later, he acquired a sizable plot of property. And then how is he acquiring this stuff? Because his business is kicking off a lot of cash flow where he can diversify, buy new things, right? Um, or he can create a partner. He can get other equity partners in because he also knows a lot of other wealthy business owners. So he can then pull up capital and then make other plays. So seven years later, he acquired a sizable plot of property in the Foxborough area around the Sullivan Stadium in New England Pages home with the possibility of buying it. He acquired the stadium in 1988 along with the collaborator whose stake he eventually bought out. So, of course, he bought the property with, with his money, and then another collaborator put in some funds. He bought that person out later. Um, in January 1904, he eventually paid James Bush Orthwin for the New England Patriots. Orthwin purchased the Patriots in 1992. He wanted to move the club to St. Louis, but the plans were stymied. Um, so... Again, he purchased in January 1904, he purchased the Patriots for $172 million. Um, and now it's obviously worth, what, $6 billion, they say? Um, he built a team up. Let's give him credit. He bought, he got it, brought in right coaches, general management. Um, and he's bought in um, some of the, one of the best, probably the best coach of all time, and Bill Belichick. He, so he really knows how to, one, put the right people in place and he's great at investing, right? All these plays he made were just investment plays and building things up from, you know, he saw that were undervalued. He bought Patriots, saw that this is going to be something huge and he made it into something huge um, and and really just built this, this his own portfolio into something crazy. He of course owns a bunch of other businesses and I think he invested in the pickleball league as well. You know, it, it goes on and on, but you know, this is another example of someone, you know, taking a start and building in something bigger, diversifying, um, doing some things that are pretty, pretty impressive, if you ask me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, big things this weekend. One, Errol Spence, Bud Crawford, the boxing fans out there, if there are any, big fight of the year. We saw a lot of big fights in boxing in 2023. I'm now a boxing avid watcher and a practicer every day, every day. Uh, but there's a huge fight this weekend that you must, must be turned into Saturday night. Um, that's going to be good. If I had to guess, I think Crawford wins, stops him somewhere in the 10th, 11th, whatever. It'll be a good one to watch. It's my own birthday weekend coming up because Tuesday is my birthday. So I'll be kind of relaxing, enjoying the week and the weekend. 
Hope you all do the same. We'll talk next week.